Good evening, CTP. Hope you can see me. I am short, and I'm not getting any taller. I have prayed three times. God has not answered. I'll never be Mike Polk. I'll never be Polk Daddy. Uh, Tom, thank you for that wonderful intro. Love you, man. Um, I have great admiration and respect for the leadership of this group. Uh, which comprises not just North River, of course, but all the campus ministries represented. A lot of respect. I understand the hard work it takes and the love. Uh, it takes a lot of work to get this together. We show up and we're like, oh, this is great. This just happened? Like, no. It didn't just happen. A lot of people working long hours to make this happen. So when you get a chance, if you see someone that's been up here, uh, tell them thank you. It's a lot of work. Maybe one day some of you will be doing that. I did not do the work, but thank you for the thank you. Um... <laughs> I want to thank the leadership of the North River Church. Not here now, but Tom and Kelly Brown invested a lot in my family growing up, a lot in me as a kid. Uh, Jeff Hickman's one of my favorite preachers of all time. Uh, he's inspired me a lot. I remember one time I was interning here in 2008. I worked for the church. I lived with John Sherwood. Uh, some of you guys know him. Some it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of you guys. So we'll move on. Um, but I remember sitting down with Jeff Hickman. If you know Jeff Hickman, and he's he's this tall, light-skinned black guy that can say anything he wants. He's totally separate from any like cultural or racial slurs at all. He's, he's like, because he's everything. So he, I'm sitting down with him and I'm working with the teens and I'm like, I got this problem, Jeff, and I need you to help me figure it out. And I explain it to him and I know he has the answer. He looks at me and he says, just figure it out, bro. I'm like, isn't it your job to tell me what to do? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do because you're afraid of failure. I was like, ooh, but can you tell me this time? You know? He didn't tell me. But he always knew what I needed. I'm grateful for the McGurks and the Masseys. Uh, the partnership that Chris, my wife, and I share with them is really special. We really love you guys. I don't know where Jordan is. I was hoping to make special eye contact with him, but it would have been weird. Okay, it wasn't weird. It happened. Great. I'll have that forever. Um, but my name is Kyle Eastman. Uh, my lovely wife and I lead the campus in Gainesville. And uh, we are very blessed. We're very grateful. We understand what we do. A lot of people don't get to do. A lot of people wish they could do. So we're very honored. Now, I'm very humbled to be here speaking to you on opening night. I have a deep love of CTP. I've been coming here since 2008. Um, every year, I think I miss one year, um, they're gracious enough to invite me back, no matter what I say, um, because I've been here a lot and I really like it. So, But I appreciate, Tom, what you shared. I, I think that you're going to hear a lot of sermons. By my count, 15, I think. It's about three a day, which is actually not that bad. Uh, there have been some CTP years, not going to lie. I thought it was maybe a little more than I could handle. It was like 30. And I was like, it's okay, you know. Because you couldn't be like, I'm not going to listen to this one. People are like, what are you doing over there, bro? I'm like, nothing. What? You know, you got to be there. So the schedule's great. It's going to require a lot of you. Some of you may not like packed schedules. You mean, like, if I was doing this, I would only do one a day, because it's about the fellowship. You're not leading it. But you're here, and it's great to be pushed. You're not going to be able to retain even most of what I say tonight. That's okay. I won't take it personally. But what you take away from this is probably going to be a little different for all of us. That's why there's so much talked about. Because we all need something different. So, hopefully tonight you get something out of it. If you don't, that's okay. There are better speakers than I speaking all week. And you're going to get a lot of great stuff. So lock in, take notes. If you're not a note taker, become one this week, and you can change your mind when you get home. But there's a lot of good stuff, and you'll forget it if you don't jot it down. So do that. 
In Romans 12, write it down. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm just going to continue on. But in Romans 12, in verse 2, it talks about not conforming to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what this themed CTP is all about. Counterculture, right? To be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the most important thing that happens with a Christian is they change the way they think. Because when you change the way you think, you change the way you live. And I've said this before, but I, one of the things I appreciate about speaking at uh, these conferences, there's so much excitement and hype that even if you bomb it, people's lives are changed. You know, Even if you just do terrible, people are like, wow, bro, you touched my heart. I'm like, God's, God's miraculous. You know. So hopefully God will do that with you today. I have two pretty simple points. I'm going to sit on them for a while. My, the title of tonight's lesson is Our Generation. And when the, the group gave it to me, I was like, this is awesome. What does this mean? Because this could mean so many things. And the group showed me a lot of trust. And we're like, bro, what do you want it to mean? You know? I was like, can you tell me? And so Jordan Massey did, which I appreciated. Uh, Tom and I talked for a while. It was helpful. There are so many directions you could go. I could just talk about our generation and anything. I could pick anything I wanted. But as I talked to these guys and I prayed about it and I thought about it, I even did some research for you. I watch TED Talks for you, <laughs> which are easy to listen to. Uh, I listen to some sermons on YouTube. I don't generally do that because I don't know what I'm going to get. But I did for you. Right? Thanks, bro. So if you don't like it, don't blame me. Blame the YouTube research. <laughs> what is culture? What is culture? <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> Open question. Anybody got an answer to that one? What is culture? All right, let's hear it. Like an agreed upon like, set of rules, norms. Like. An agreed upon set of rules, norms, like, and then the etc. Solid. No, no, it's good. Other thoughts? That's pretty solid. Can anybody beat that? Yeah, right. Tradition is the way you live. The way you live. Yeah, it's what a society attaches value to, right? I got to, I got to think about that for a while. Very well done. Impressive. What, what society determines is important? Could be money. Could be sex. Could be marriage. Could be family. Could be bad. Could be good. But that's what when we say. We throw the term culture. We love the word culture. We love it. We talk about it all the time. Constantly. Culture, culture, culture. How's your culture? Be counterculture. And you're going to hear it a lot more this week, and you should, because it's really important. Culture. What does it mean to be counter something? Counterculture. It means you rebel. You rebel against the culture. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not good. Sometimes our tendency is to rebel against good culture. Sometimes we rebel against bad culture, which is very much what Jesus did. He rebelled against the culture of his time. We're going to talk about really one thing in our culture today that we need to rebel against. But I think we don't. A lot of times. And we'll get there eventually, but the first point is the world demands recognition. We're going to talk about what that means because some of you are like, cool sentence, but I don't understand. <laughs> That's okay. We're going to get there. What does our culture value and encourage? Time Magazine, a couple editions ago, I don't subscribe, but, and just a heads up, I have been known to spit occasionally, but I'm going to try to keep it like here. <laughs> If you hit it, bro, it'll bring us closer. 
Maybe too close. <laughs> a couple of editions of Time Magazine, the title was about millennials. You may have heard this term before because culture loves talking about millennials. And our society doesn't really like millennials. You are all millennials if you were born between 1982 and 2000. Probably nobody older than that. Um, maybe some people younger than that. I don't know. But you're a millennial if you're in here. Because if you're not, you don't really apply. And you apply. And you need to apply or else you won't listen. Um, the title of the cover was Me, Me, Me. Millennials. And one quote, my favorite quote from the article, which I read, was Millennials are the most narcissistic, overconfident, entitled, lazy generation in the history of the world. <laughs> which I thought might have been a stretch because you've only been alive for this history. But nonetheless, that's how Time Magazine feels. And I don't think they're that far off. Listen to some song lyrics. I will read them to you. There's something about reading song lyrics that's special. <laughs> One, two, three. They gotta run back to me. Because I'm the best baby that they never gonna keep. One, two, three. They gonna run back to me. They always wanna come, but they never wanna leave. Do you know the song? X's and O's, they haunt me. Like go O O's, they want me to make them all, all, all. They won't let go X's and O's. What a great, wholesome song. I'm grateful for that song, right? How about this? All I do is win, win, win. No matter what. I got money on my mind. I can never get enough. Hey, man, it's great. What a great message. And every time I step in the building, everybody's hands go. And they stay there. And they say, yeah. And they stay there up, down, up, down, up, down. Because all I do is win, 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 win. My last one, arguably my favorite, which I can't finish because there's too much cursing. I'm so fancy. You already know. Careful if you're heard singing this song with me, because you might know it better than you should. I'm in the fast lane from LA to Tokyo. Nobody's singing with me now, sorry. I'm so fancy, can't you taste this gold? I don't even know what that means. Remember my name, about to blow. Trash the hotel, let's get drunk on the mini bar. Make the phone call, feels so good getting what I want, yeah. <laughs> that pretty much describes our generation, no? Did you know that in the last 40 years in research done, statistics done on song lyrics, the number of times the words I, me, and mine are used is astronomically higher than in the 80s? And the words hate, breakup, and just general cursing is astronomically higher than words like love, compassion, caring. Maybe you're not surprised by that. The Beatles didn't talk about breaking up very much. It's the Beatles, right? No, didn't do enough research. Think about the last time you saw a slideshow. Who are you looking for? Not your friend. We're all looking for me, right? There I am! I don't care about the rest. The only reason you're engaged to be real is because you're waiting for you. We're all in that boat. And for those of you that aren't, God bless you. Because the rest of us are. 
I won't talk much about it because we talk about it all the time, but isn't Facebook and Instagram and Twitter just like a great example of what our generation is like? of our narcissism, our highly edited versions of ourselves. If you just look at the pictures on these things, it's like there's not a sad person in the world. <laughs> they don't exist. There is no crying, and there is like, there's no pain. It's like Revelation 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we present these highly edited versions of ourselves. We attach value to these things. You have been taught since the day you were born by your culture to believe that you deserve recognition for every good thing you do. Everything. Were you brave? I hope somebody finds out. Did you serve someone selflessly? Someone's got to know. You need that recognition. You were taught to get irritated if you don't get the recognition that you deserve. Think about it. You serve the poor. How likely is it that your service project will be on social media? Pretty likely. And then it's going to be like, wow, they're so great hearted. And you know you're going to get that. You may not want it, or maybe you do. Every, you've shared your faith today, you'll find a way to slide in the conversation. It'll get there. Yeah. And look, I'm not just like, oh, I feel so bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's not to make you feel like, it's just to kind of make a point. Yeah. We crave that. Yeah. There's a word for it, and we're going to get there. You know, uh, I, I'll, I'll share personally. How many of you guys have done Hope Youth Corps or AmeriCorps? Some, maybe not a lot. Hope Youth Corps is basically... For people that grew up in the church, they go and a bunch of Christians get together and they go to a service project for like six weeks or a couple weeks, whatever. But I remember teen camps. I just remember being in an environment where I wanted to be the first one up out of bed praying, primarily so people saw me get out of bed first to pray. Do you relate to that at all? I just, I just, something in me wants to be the most spiritual person in the room, but not because I really want to be the most spiritual person in the room, because I just want the recognition. I crave it. I crave it. You may crave it as well. That's, that's how I can be. Why are we this way? I think we've been led to believe that something isn't valuable unless you're recognized for it. Unless you're given admiration, uh, accolades, it's, things aren't really valuable because no one knows. And I think what happens is we, we start to crave accolades and admiration more than genuine achievement. More than just genuinely being a great Christian we want that. We crave that. You've been taught that you are special. You're unique. There's no one like you in all the world. There probably is. And that's probably true, right? Like, how, have you ever Googled your name? It's a little discouraging. You're like, oh, there's a lot of me. <laughs> you know? I remember there was a guy at UF that my sister thought was me. He looked so much like me. From like five feet away, I'm like, do you even know me? You know? Like, I was so hurt. You are not unique just because you were born. But you're taught to believe that. You're taught to believe that every feeling you have is valid. Every, your opinions matter. Everything you have to say, people should listen to. That's probably not true. That's right. <laughs> actually almost certainly not true. I will tell you from my own life. Just because you do something doesn't make it right. And doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. But you've been taught that. And this is in a slightly different vein, but we'll tie them together. When I got married, I learned a lot. One of the things I learned was general hygiene. Um, one day, when I was a single guy, I clipped my toenails wherever the heck I wanted. 
I will clip it. I will clip it on just on the ground, just on my couch. It doesn't matter. Just whatever. Like I don't see him. <laughs> Sister's name is Charlotte. Maybe you're not struggling as much as you should. You're like, I know how that is, you know? <laughs> so one day, I don't remember how far into our marriage is. Chris and I couldn't remember. First couple months. I'm clipping my nails in the kitchen. Alright, chill. I'm clipping. And I'm just not thinking about it. I'm like, this is right. Like, She's like, hon, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. My mind was like blown. I was like, this is gross. Like, I'm wrong. I've been wrong my whole life. <laughs> Disgusting, you know? I just like, I was wrong. I wasn't right. If someone asked me, like, what's your opinion on, like, toenail clipping policy? I'd be like, wherever you want, whenever you want. <laughs> That's stupid. Look, just because you feel something doesn't make it valid, doesn't make it smart, doesn't make you special. But you've been taught that. You know, little girls are... Or, well, Tom shared the story. You're taught you're a princess. Look, I, I appreciate the sentiment. And God willing, I have a daughter one day, I may say the same thing. But is she really a princess? <laughs> I have no noble blood within me. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, there aren't that many princesses. It ain't going to be my kid. What I'm saying is that we're, we're coddled, right? We're loved. We're doted on. And maybe some of you didn't have that experience. Maybe your experience was not good at all. But most of us did, I think. And we're taught that. You know, there's a word for this. There's a word for what this makes you into. It's called entitlement. And it is infecting our culture. And it's likely applies to all of you. Because sometimes entitlement is subtle. You don't even realize that you are entitled. Until someone says, you're entitled. And they're like, prove it. You're like, easy. And you prove it. And they're like, oh, I'm really entitled. I'm very comfortable. I really think that I have an inflated sense of self. I believe I deserve the best whether we've earned it or not. That's the millennial, right? An excessive need for attention and admiration, entitlement. Some of us, I don't think we're totally to blame for this. It's not completely your fault or my fault. But we do have control from this point on how we think, how we live, how we act. So the question is, how does this seep into the church? Because look... When you get baptized, amen. But you're still you, unfortunately. You know? You get baptized, you're like, oh, great. And you're like, oh, I'm still, I still stink. Like, I still sin a lot. Like, it, the Holy Spirit doesn't magically change you. He gives you the tools to change. He leads you. He moves you. You still have to make the choice. You bring all your baggage with you. Look, you can move away from bad situations, but you're still with you. And you still have all your garbage. And that's how it is in baptism sometimes. We still bring that stuff in. We still need a lot of changing to happen. You bring that ego in. You bring that, what, the, what culture gives you. We will read scripture today. Turn to Matthew 23. The Pharisees relate to you. You may not like that. But it's often true, right? Matthew 23. Look at verse 5 when you get there. Matthew 23, verse 5, Jesus is, has some harsh things to say to the Pharisees. And he says, everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogues. 
They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. We are an entitled generation. We love recognition and we love admiration. I'm going to talk about how that hurts us. We want the sermon shout out. There is no one in this room. This person does not exist. That kind of a little bit doesn't want to be recognized in front of a large group of people. That person doesn't exist. Now, you may have a great heart about it. You may be like, hey, man, like, I appreciate that. But then sometimes it's that false humility. I think I've shared this before. It's like, please, bro, don't. Don't. <laughs> Keep coming. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, like, we're, not, like, we're, like we're like, oh, don't go so long. Go a little longer. Like, remember that time I did that thing? Share that. You know, like, we love that. And look, building each other up is godly. But there is a proverb. It says, a crucible for silver. And a furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Yeah. I think sometimes we love it too much. Yeah. And it affects us negatively. You know, we, we want people to know our names. We want to stand out. We want to be important. I, I will share personally, and then we're going to get into point number two. You know, Chris and I lead a campus ministry in Gainesville. We love it. It's great. I will tell you, though. I will share some insecurities with you. Right? I feel pressure. To make Gainesville great. Some of that's good. Some of that's bad. The good stuff is that as Christians, we should feel some pressure. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if you never share your faith, someone should apply a little pressure. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of what we do. You know, if you never give the poor, we have problems. Jesus has a problem with you <laughs> if you don't do that. So there's a good pressure, but sometimes it's not good. I will tell you that sometimes the reason I want to baptize a lot of people... I think sometimes the reason I don't, sometimes the reason I feel insecure when we don't baptize enough. Uh, sometimes I think I should be the one to lead. I want to step down. I just want to stop. I went through a period about a year ago. Where I was like, I don't want to be in ministry anymore. I want something different. Sometimes the only reason I want to do a hope project or for our campus to be seen is because I know it makes me look good. I know that. I know. That if I preach a sermon that touches people's hearts, they will remember me. I understand, I understand that right now. If you are positively affected by the sermon today, I know that you will have positive feelings towards me, and there's a part of me that really craves that. So what do I do with that? Do I not preach? Do I not share? No, I just I deal with the heart problem, and I'm encouraged by the, the love, you know? So not saying come up to me and be like, hey, I'm not gonna tell you a good job. Terrible, you know. Amen to God. You know, it's like, hey, great. Like, I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying that's where I'm at. I think that we all have. If I promise you, your leaders have all felt that. There, this this person that doesn't want recognition in a bad way, they do not exist. That person is not alive today. Okay. And now, there are people that are better than others with this and more naturally humble. But I'm telling you, it exists. It exists in you. It exists in me. We are entitled by nature. And we're insecure by nature. And we want to make things great for the wrong reasons. Can you relate to that? So many areas of our lives, we do things because we crave that. It's not wrong, but it's dangerous. I, a lot of you will be patted on the back this week, and you should. Are you guys still doing the internship presentations? So, am I, like, too soon on that? Okay, great. I didn't know if it was, like, surprise. I'm like, dang it. So the internship presentation, in the past, we did welcomes. We're like, who wants to give a welcome? Everyone's like, yeah. And then it's here, and they're like, no. You know, it's like, you come up here and you give a welcome. Everyone's like, that was so great. Even if it was horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have heard some horrible welcomes at CTP. And we were just like, amen, brother. You know what I mean? Like, great job. Because we don't really care. We're just like, man, it takes a lot of courage to get in front of a lot of people and do that. And you're going to get pat on the back. Great job. And we need that. How are you going to respond to that? How is that going to make you feel when you do something and people like you for it? That changes people. Great people that are humble and loving become like terrible people because of praise. You choose how you're going to respond to that. And honestly, the truth is, is that the reason you're a Christian, some people are Christian because the social club is great. It's really hard to find this anywhere else. A lot of people become a Christian for that reason. And you can't monitor that, but eventually that will show. Eventually the recognition won't be enough, the love won't be enough, because God's not first. God's, God's not the one you care about the most. You care about what other people think. That's why you go share your faith. And look, look sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do, even if you don't want to do it. But that's not how Christianity is supposed to feel all the time. It's supposed to be just because you, you admire and are deeply, obsessively in love with God. Now, I, look, I, I know we all want that in a perfect world. I want to be obsessively in love with God. Like, it's not really reality every day. You got to fight for it. Yeah. You got to fight against your, your pride. Yeah. Point number two, my final point. While the world demands recognition, that's not it. I'm not there yet. I'm reminding you of the first point for effect on the second point. Oh. Right? <laughs> Don't get overwhelmed. It's too fast. <laughs> the world demands recognition. Jesus demands anonymity. Anonymity. It comes from the word anonymous, which means unknown. Jesus demands that you are unknown. That the things you do, you do in secret, and you do regardless of who sees you or who cares. He, he doesn't just encourage, it's not like it would be great for your emotional health if people did. He says, I demand, in fact, the greatest one here is the greatest slave. Look at Matthew 23. Look at verse 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The greatest among you will be your servant. Jesus does not discourage greatness. He redefines greatness. Greatness in the eyes of the world and of our culture has to do with talent. Why are professional basketball players professional basketball players? Because God gave them that talent. Look at me, I'm so... No, no, no. Like, you could have easily been nothing. God made you something. And special ability, talent, academic success, great careers, money, that determines greatness. But that's wrong. How many people know my name means nothing to God. And therefore, should mean very little to me. Now look, I, we're human, okay? It's okay to have moments where you're like, oh no, I cared for a second. Like, <laughs> like you're human. But you have to, there has to be a transformation of mind. You have to redefine what greatness is. And it's not like people come to the church and they're automatically like, oh, greatness is humility. Everybody believes that. Because the waters of baptism taught me that. While I was underwater, it was like the matrix, you know? It just, like, zapped me. That did not happen. Sometimes people are just, what's the word? As dumb. After baptism, as before. But they're saved, praise God. You know what I mean? That's the truth. 
Now I think people change. Praise God. An anonymity. Jesus demands it. I will prove it to you. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 1. We'll, we'll just kind of plow through read a couple of verses. Look at verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's continue. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 16. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their face to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Amen. Counterculture. Amen. I mean, you talk about as counter to culture as you can get. Right. <laughs> no one lives like this. And I think a lot of times in the church, we don't like this. We, we want people to know the things we've done. In the world's eyes, greatness requires a lot of things. Talent, special ability, athletic prowess, academic success. We mentioned them all, right? Great careers. Greatness in the eyes of God is very different, is it not? And though greatness in God's eyes demands a lot, there is one thing that greatness in God's eyes does not demand. Greatness does not demand an audience. In fact, it demands no audience. That no one see. That no one know. Those, that's the treasure. That's, the, that's building up your eternity with God, right? That's going to get you to heaven. Look, CTP is really special. But it's it's highly, it can be toxic if we have bad hearts. Because we're around a lot of other Christians, and we're around a lot of people that we're naturally very competitive. There is nothing your leadership can do to stop that, because it's just how we all are. This, this, it's set up wonderfully. This is up to you. You will feel competitive this week. You will. Like, you will want people to know your name. It's, that's how life is. But the goal, the heart goal, the, the prayer goal is that you do things because you know God sees it and it's all you need. That is so difficult. It, that is incredibly difficult. I mean, when was the last time you did something and no one knew? And it was radical. Man. Some of us won't do radical things unless we're with people that are doing radical things. You know, sometimes radicals group think. It's like, you're doing it, I'm doing it. Woo! You know what I mean? We're like, freak out. We're like, let's do it. When was the last time you went and did it by yourself and didn't tell anyone you did it? Wow. Man, that is so challenging. But that's the mark, I believe, of true greatness. And it's counterculture. It's so different. And it takes a transformation of mind. And I think you've got to be real careful 
In a group like this, in a setting that's energetic and excited, you have to be really careful. You have to keep the excitement, but develop the sobriety right. <laughs> right, of mind and heart. Right. You have to be able to handle that. Because in the church, we're going to build each other up and love each other. But don't let it infect you. Don't let it make you arrogant. Don't forget who made you that way. Yeah. Don't forget why you did that in the first place. I mean, how many Christian things do you do because it's expected of you? Because if you didn't do it, you'd be talked to. Why do you go to Bible talk? Who's going to talk to me if I don't go? You know, why do you go to the Hope Project? Like, look, I know most of you guys have great hearts, but we all have moments, right? Some of us don't have great hearts. Okay? <laughs> like, you're great, you're here. Like, amen. Some of you maybe have pretty bad hearts right now. I don't know. Like, I, don't, I haven't talked to each of you. Like, you're going to have to examine that. Like, why are you even a Christian? Why are you here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have to ask myself that question a couple times a year very seriously. Why am I a Christian again? Oh, yeah. That's right. Because I love Jesus, you know? It's not because, like, I'm a, I lead this at church or because I'm a, uh, like, we, it gets all weird. And you got to stick close to those roots. Why you became a Christian in the first place. Greatness in God's eyes requires a massive cultural shift. We live in a... I think sometimes where the entitlement comes in is we think we deserve the best whether we earn it or not, right? We feel like like we deserve to graduate college and get a great job. And if we don't, I'm going to complain to God about it. Because I'm upset. Because I served him, and I, I did all his stuff, and I worked hard, and other people didn't go, but I was always there. I went to CTP, even though I had school in the morning. And hey Amen, if you're doing that's great. But don't let it go to your head, you know. Um, but we feel entitled. Like, I deserve a comfortable lifestyle. Like, I deserve a really comfortable bed. Like, I, des- I deserve a spouse. Like, I deserve a boyfriend or a girlfriend. When I deserve, by the time I'm 30, to have three kids, a dog, and a 3,000-square-foot house. And no one says that. Like, what do you feel like you deserve? I will tell you what I deserve. You know what I mean? Because it sounds so arrogant. But we think it, and we act like it when we complain about doing Christian things. You know what I mean? Let's all come to church. I don't feel like it. That's dumb. You know, that's like, that's like bad nail-clipping policy, right? Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you do things you don't want to do because you love God. And that's how you live. But it shouldn't be like that all the time. But we love to complain. Sometimes we act like we're the center of the universe. We get frustrated when we don't get recognized. We get irritated when we're asked to serve. You ever feel that way? Hey, can you sub for Kingdom Kids? <laughs> you know, we have like, like seizures, you know? Like, ah, like, please no. Like, hey, can you serve in this way or that way? Ah, we, get, we just, mm, we get irritated with people, right? I ask that guy, this guy. We get a little rebellious sometimes and we're called to go on campus and share faith. Sometimes we get to a certain point where we've served, we've given, we've loved. And then we're asked to go the extra mile, and we forget that we are, at, we are told to go two when asked to go one. And we stop at one. There is no limit to the amount of serving and loving and giving you should ever put on yourself as a Christian. There is no limit. Why does Jesus say, your enemy asks you to go one? Go two. Because when your friend asks you to go one, or your spiritual leader, you better go like a marathon. I'm talking about like running Iron Man. Like you go until you're like, Literally, I will die if I go. And then your leader's like, get some rest. Come tomorrow morning. You know, it's... Do you see what I'm saying? 
I think that we're a little too, like, have my limits, you know? Like, have to be balanced emotionally. Like, look, I'm all about emotional balance. I was a wreck last year, and I, I had to go get some professional counseling for my emotion. I was just emotionally jacked up because I felt so much pressure as a Christian. Be balanced. But don't do that, like, I'm tired. That word should not be in your dictionary. That word does not exist. You're going to go to heaven, and you'll have forever to be tired. Ain't no sharing faith, amen, in heaven. Look, we got to do it. Doesn't mean I got to love it, you know? But I do it all the time, because I love people and I love God, and it's rewarding. Go the extra mile, or forget that we're called to go too. And I think sometimes we forget Luke 17. It's the last verse we'll look at. We don't like Luke 17. Sometimes I feel like Luke 17 doesn't like me. But we're going to read it and we're going to love it. Luke 17, we're going to start in verse 7. This is Jesus talking about our attitude when it comes to serving God. Not the church, serving God. Verse 7, suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep, which I know you totally relate to. <laughs> Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along, servant, sit down and eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? Rhetorical question, the answer is no. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say this thing, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Yeah. Is that how you feel about Christianity? Is that how you really feel about Christianity? Sometimes I'm like, I kind of feel like I'm doing God a favor here. You know? I'll do you a favor. I'll, I'll do you on God. I'll go talk to that guy. I'll get up early and serve. I got you. Is that your attitude? It's a little entitled. Like you're, like you're helping God out. Like God's like, man, I'm so overwhelmed. Can you help me? He does not need you. <laughs> not need you. He didn't need you before he became a Christian. He doesn't need you after. But what a glorious joy to serve God. And what a glory. I'm so grateful I'm not an 11th hour worker. You ever read that story about the 11th hour worker? You may know it. The parable of the workers in the vineyards, right? They go and he hires... The people sitting in the marketplace, like, come work in my vineyard. I'll give you a denarii, or however I'm supposed to say it. I'll never know. Denarii, 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 denarii. There's like two eyes. Um, and they come, and, and every hour he goes back, and on the 11th hour, he's like, come work with me. And he pays everybody the same. And guess who he pays last? The first ones to get there. We hate that. We're like, I deserve 11 denarii. And the people have attitudes, and he's like, isn't it my money? Why do you care that I bless that person and bless you? I'm so. Sometimes I read that, I'm like, kind of wish I was an 11th hour worker. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wish I could just live however I wanted and get baptized at like 97 and then die a week later. Because <laughs> I could live the dream, you know? <laughs> you ever thought that before? If you have thought that before, you do not understand Christianity. It is a joy to serve God. I'm so grateful I became a Christian when I was young. What a joy. 
I love Christianity. Sometimes we do the discipleship study with people and we're like, it's hard. It's really hard. Buckle up. It's hard. Buckle up. It's hard. People are like, I'm going to go to the church down the road. You know what I mean? This is like crazy. And we do that because we're trying to help people see, like, it, it takes to be, you have to be counterculture. You have to be different. But I think we forget Christianity is such a wonderful joy. You got to serve God like that. Everything you do, just get rid of the entitlement. You don't, doesn't do any good. Doesn't do anybody any good. You're not doing God a favor. And you're not the center of the universe. You're entitled. How much are you entitled to by God? Zero. God doesn't owe you anything. He already gave you everything. If you never had a nice house, and you're single your whole life, and it's 99 degrees every day, only where you are, (laughs) you better be the most grateful, loving Christian, because you get to go to heaven. It's awesome. But sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know. I just feel like it's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's raining. It's hot. And we're like, why are you such a whiner? You're saved. Going to heaven, you better, man, you better work your tail off until you get there. You know, I, I'm going to close out with this. You know, your, our planet's not the center of our solar system. Did you know that? <laughs> Whoever said no, sorry. Like Earth science. Space science? You know our solar system is not the center of the galaxy? You know our galaxy is not the center of the universe? In fact, according to astrophysicists, there is no center of the universe, which means you're not it. So you can't act like it. Who's the center of the universe? It's God. He's the center of your universe for the rest of your life. That's how we need to live. That's how we need to be. Last thing I'll say is that this is a high calling, being a Christian. It is high. You have people in this room. I'll tell you that the, the leadership of the North River group is the hardest working people I've seen in my life. I'm like, I'm like, man, Tom's probably on campus right now. I should, I should do that. You know what I mean? I'm inspired by that. He would probably be like, no, nah, I never work. You know, like, uh, whatever. You need to take it. It's good for him. Follow the example of people that work hard and love God. When I get to heaven, I don't want to get there, like, feeling good. You know, I'm like, what's up, Jesus? Like, I've just been chilling for 90 years, you know? <laughs> Loving life. Just going to church, CTP, sharing my faith occasionally. You know, God was balanced. Ten every night, eight every morning. I had my ten hours of sleep. I showed a video of the church I preached a couple weeks ago on um, the 1997 World Championship for the women's Ironman competition. You know what an Ironman is? It's 2.4 miles uh, swimming, 112-mile bike ride, close it out with a marathon. (laughs) And at the end of the race, 112 on a bike. At the end of the race, and that's at once. If you finish within 18 hours, you are considered a a victor. That's a lot of movement. At the end of the race, these women have lost control of their bodies. They have literally nothing left. Zero. There's nothing in the tank. They're done. Their bodies, they have, they've used it all. And I mean, I'm talking about the end of this extraordinary race, and they're battling for fourth place. That, and nobody cares. But man, you would think they were going for $10 million. I mean, they're literally, they start crawling. The last 40 feet, they crawl. Because they can't stand up. And I'm talking about like, on cement, just dragging them. And they cross the finish line, and they're like, 
and people pick him up, and they're like, you did? And she's like, I tried, and she's crying, and I want to get to heaven like that. Do you want to get to heaven like that? I want to be like, this is awesome, I just rolled up, you know? I want to be like, I got nothing left, and God's like, I know. You gave it all. The entitlement, the, the obsessive need for recognition in our culture, the, the way we let culture affect us in that way, to not love God just because he's amazing, because he gave it all already, that will, that will keep you from heaven. You won't, you won't even roll in at all. You won't get there. It's what it requires. Crawl into heaven, redefine greatness in your life, and redefine it this week. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. So grateful to be here. Have a great time.